Welcome to the Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of the Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a murmuring against Moses as we pick up in Numbers chapter 12, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now in chapter 12, Miriam, the sister of Moses, and Aaron began to murmur against Moses. He had taken an Ethiopian wife, which means that she was probably black-skinned, and they began to find fault and, and, and criticize Moses for this, his own sister and brother. And they said, Hath the Lord only spoken unto Moses? Hath he not spoken also unto us? Don't we have just as much right to speak the word of the Lord to these people as Moses has and all? And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and Aaron and unto Miriam, and he said, Come, the three of you, unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And the three came out, and the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forth, and he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream." God, who at sundry times and in divers' manners spake to the fathers by the prophets, and God spoke to the prophets as a rule by visions or by dreams. But God said concerning Moses, My servant Moses is not so who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches and not in the similitudes of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore, then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Now here they were speaking against the man that God had anointed and the man that God had called. God's servant. Now God said, look, with prophets, if a man is a prophet, I usually speak by visions or dreams, in similitudes, in dark sayings in forms that oftentimes need interpreting. But with Moses, plainly, face to face, apparent, direct speaking with Moses. And inasmuch as I have spoken to Moses this way, how is it that you were not fearful to speak against him? In other words, they should have respected his position as God's servant and the anointing of God that was upon his life. One thing about David is that he had a high respect for the anointing of God that had been upon Saul, even after the anointing had left Saul. The fact that he had once been anointed, David wouldn't touch him. He had a high regard and respect for the anointing of God. And I think that God appreciates our having a high respect for his anointing. And so because of the sin of Miriam and Aaron... They were smitten with leprosy. Miriam became leprous, white as snow. Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us wherein we have done foolishly and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead 
of whom the flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. So his sister became leprous. Aaron, of course, the high priest, recognized it immediately. Pleaded with Moses, and Moses in turn pleaded with God, O God, heal her, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, under the law of her father had spit in her face, she'd be unclean for seven days. So should she not, because of what she's done, be unclean for at least seven days? Let her go out of the camp and in seven days go through the purifying and she can come back in. And so Miriam was ostracized from the camp for seven days. And while the period of this ostracizing was taking place, they, they did not move. They stayed in that same area uh, there at Hezeroth. Now, in chapter 13, we get the story now as they've come to Kadesh Barnea, and they are now on the border ready to enter into the promised land. They have been about two years, a little over two years now in the wilderness. And now they've come to the place of entering in and possessing the land that God had promised to them. And coming to the borders of the land, Moses thought it would be wise to send spies into the land in order that they might travel through the land, look at the cities, look at the crops, just sort of size up the land, the fortifications of the people and all, and to come back and bring the report and bring back some fruit from the land. And so they chose from each tribe one man to go in, and thus there were 12 spies that entered into the land. And in the first part of the 13th chapter, it lists those that went in. Two of them are important to us, of the tribe of Judah in verse 6, Caleb, and then of the tribe of Ephraim, Oshia, in verse 8. Now, at the end of the listing, we are told in verse 16 that Moses called Oshia, the son of Nun, Jehoshua, which was later contracted to Joshua. Oshia means deliverer or salvation. And Jah is the contraction for Jehovah, the name of God. So the name Joshua is one of the compound names of Jehovah, which means God is salvation, or the Lord is salvation, or the Lord our salvation. The Greek word for Joshua is Jesus. So that when Joseph was debating what to do with Mary when she was pregnant. And the angel of the Lord came to him and said, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bear a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, or the Hebrew, Yahshua. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. The name implies the mission. Jehovah is our salvation. So Jehoshua, later Joshua.
And so they went in to spy out the land, and they were in the land for 40 days, and they spied out the land. And Joshua and Caleb on the way back stopped by the brook of Eshkol, and there they cut a bunch of grapes that they carried in a staff between them. In other words, it's so large that they just had a stick on their shoulders and tied the grapes in the middle to show the people the huge bunches of grapes. How big were the bunches of grapes in the land? And so they, they came back to the camp of Israel. And Joshua and Caleb gave their report. And they said there in verse 26, they brought to the congregation, showed them through the land, and they told them, We came into the land whither you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people are strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And we saw there some of the giants, the sons of Anak. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are in the mountains. And the Canaanites are by the sea and the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Oh, this guy Caleb, he says, let's go for it. We can do it. Let's go up and possess it at once. It's a great land. Problems there, sure, but wow. Let's go for it. But the men that went with him said, Oh, hey, we're not able to go up against those people, for they're stronger than we are. And they brought an evil report unto the people telling them, oh, the cities are huge and the walls are high and there are giants. We were like grasshoppers in their sight. Man, they'll eat us up. In chapter 14, all of the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation. Said, so would to God we had died in the land of Egypt, or would to God we had died in the wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? They said, let's get a captain who will lead us back to Egypt. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, they tore their clothes. They spake to the company of the children of Israel and said, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation of Israel grabbed stones and they were going to stone Joshua and Caleb. Here is the tragic failure of the people. God had brought them right to the borders of entering in to the full blessing, the abundant rich life. It was there. All they had to do was go in and possess it. 
God had already promised, I will drive out the inhabitants from before you. I'll send hornets and all before you and drive out the inhabitants. You just go in and take the land. And God brought them right to the border, right to the entering in of this land of blessing and promise and fullness. And the people at this point failed to enter in because they allowed fear to dominate their hearts instead of faith. And whenever you allow fear to dominate your life instead of faith, the fear brings unbelief and that unbelief will rob you and keep you from that which God has already made available for you and is just laying, waiting for you to pick it up. There are so many Christians today who have failed to enter into the full, rich life that God has for them. They are living sort of a yo-yo Christian experience. They're high one day and down the next. And you never know what kind of a mood, spiritual mood, they're going to be in. Sometimes, oh, they're just really floating, and other times they're just dragging the bottom. And their whole Christian experience is one of such great vacillation. They've never entered into the full, abundant life of the Spirit that God wants for His children. They live their whole Christian experience in Romans chapter 7, and they never enter into chapter 8. Their life is one continued battle with the flesh. A constant roaming and wandering in the wilderness and never entering in to possess that full, rich land that God has promised for them. Even as Egypt represents the old life of bondage in sin, and passing through the Red Sea represents the baptism and coming into Christ and into a new relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And the wilderness represents the normal growth of the believer. So the promised land represents the full, rich life that you can have in Christ now. Unfortunately, our hymns have made the promised land a heavenly thing. And they've made Jordan death. And so in our song, Swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me home, I looked over Jordan, what did I see? A band of angels coming after me, coming for to carry me home. And Jordan represents, you know, I won't have to cross Jordan alone and the chilly waters of Jordan all represent death, you know, and then I enter into heaven, the glorious promises of God. No, not so. Because once they had crossed over Jordan and come into the land, they were still battling. You're not going to have any battles in heaven. Once they crossed over Jordan and come into the land, they were even defeated a time or two at Ai. They were deceived by the Gibeonites. You're not going to be defeated in heaven or deceived. 
Jordan represents the death of the old man, the old nature, my reckoning of myself to be dead with Christ. And the land of promise is that life that I can now enjoy in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit and walking after the Spirit and knowing now the victories in Jesus Christ. In the wilderness, though they had battles, they never gained anything of permanent value. It was not until they began to enter in and possess the land that there was the gaining of things with, they were actually now possessing their possessions. It is tragic that so many Christians spend their entire Christian experience in the wilderness, roaming, wandering in the wilderness. And thus, their Christian walk is sort of just a continual endurance rather than an enjoyment. God wants you to experience now the richness and the fullness of his blessing and his love. And it's there. God has provided for you in Christ Jesus and through the Holy Spirit a life of victory, a life of blessing, a life of fullness. And it is unbelief that keeps so many people from entering in. The ten spies inspired fear. And the people were dominated by fear so that when Joshua and Caleb began and sought to encourage the people with words of faith, the ten spies said, hey, there are giants. We were like grasshoppers in their eyes. Joshua and Caleb said, hey, they're bread for us. The ten spies said, we can't do it. Joshua and Caleb said, let's do it now. We are well able to do it. But the people dominated by fear failed to enter in, even ready to destroy the two prophets of God, Joshua and Caleb, who were encouraging them and the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? How long will it be before they believe me? There's the key. It was a lack of faith that kept them from what God had for them. And it's a lack of faith that keeps you from receiving. Entering in by faith. You see, our problem is that we think that we've got to enter in by works. Oh, if I could just be good enough so God could bless me. If I could just be sweet enough and kind enough so that I could be worthy the blessing of God upon my life. And it was the lack of believing and trusting God that kept them out. It wasn't a thing of worthiness at all. It was just the lack of faith, and that's what keeps you. The lack of faith, nothing more. And so God said to Moses, stand back, I'm going to wipe them out. And Moses interceded. For the people. And in verse 17, he said, I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great according as thou hast spoken, saying, The Lord is long suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people 
according unto the greatness of thy mercy as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. Lord, you've gone this far with them. Let's go all the way. All the way from Egypt you've forgiven them. And talking of the long-suffering and the great mercy and the forgiveness of God. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. God wanted to pardon them. And he answered the prayer of Moses, and then I love this verse, but as surely as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Hey, that, that God is declaring just as sure as he lives, that's going to happen. As surely as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. I can hardly wait. What a glorious day that is going to be. And God has declared it with an oath. As surely as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. I want to be here when that happens. I expect to be here when that happens. I'm going to be here when that happens. I have God's promise. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Numbers on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Numbers 12 through 14 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord enrich you in all good things in Christ Jesus. And may the Lord continue his work in your life as he draws you unto himself, as he cleanses you through his word, as he fits you and prepares you for that work that he would have you to do in touching the needy world around you. God bless you. And God strengthen you and keep you ever in his love and in his will. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. It's with great honor that the Word for Today would like to present Pastor Chuck Smith's book entitled Prayer, Our Glorious Privilege. 
With great clarity, Pastor Chuck masterfully taught the principles of praying to God our Father and emphasized the power that belongs to each one of us when we rely on the Holy Spirit to guide and nurture our prayer lives. I want to encourage you to pick up a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, Prayer, Our Glorious Privilege, and study it to put these biblical principles into practice. Read this book and come to the most amazing realization that prayer is the most potent weapon in your spiritual arsenal, and use it with great promise and hope. For when you begin a life of prayer, you begin a great adventure. To order a copy of this book in print or to download a digital copy, please visit thewordfortoday.org or call The Word for Today at 800-272-9673.